This is All India Radio. In the program Spotlight, now we bring you a discussion on cabinet decisions. Participants are Subhamoy Bhattacharji, economic analyst and Shishir Sinha, journalist. Shubhma, let me begin uh, with one specific uh, decision on strategic disinvestment. Uh, the Cabinet Committee on Economic Affairs uh, has given in-principle approval to the demerger of Nagar Nar Steel Plant from National Mineral Development Corporation, what we know as the LMDC, and a strategic disinvestment of the demerged company by selling entire government of India state in it to a strategic buyer. How do you see this decision? These are the sort of steel plants or other units which the government is right to start disinvesting because they are not something that the government particularly needs to run. Why I say so that the government of any country and least of all a country like India with huge demand on its development needs, the central government is not really the place which should be running a steel plant. There are, you can say that, of course, a steel plant is being run by NMDC, the National Mineral Development Corporation. Day-to-day issues are being handled by them. But in practice, Shishid, you know it very well. It doesn't happen like that. Practically, any major decision, and by major decision, I mean practically every decision, some ends up with the government. Now, once it ends up with the government, then it becomes very difficult to for the government not to get involved in what is in the running of the activity. So, steel plant, it is not something which is very strategic. The sector itself has got established technology. So, why shouldn't it be disinvested? And so, I would say, yes, the government, I mean, the government of India has 69.65% shareholding in the company. Emerged and it should be from an MDC and it should be a separate standalone entity and run on its own basis, raise capital, raise equity from the market which will actually allow people to participate in its profitability. So there are lots of good things. I mean, uh, and in fact, it has taken us a long time to realize these things, but strategic disinvestment of such companies is basically, that means there will be a partner who will come and pick up the operational management of the company. It's perfectly necessary, and that is what is going to come Let me inform our uh, listeners that uh, this particular steel plant uh, is uh, having a capacity of 3 million ton per annum. It's an integrated steel plant and it is being set up by NMDC at Nagarnar, which is falling into Bhatsar district of Chhattisgarh. And as on date, NMDC has invested uh, over rupees 17,000 crore on the project out of 16,000, some 660 crore is from NMDC own point and rupees 524 crore has been raised from the bond market. Shubhma, do you think that this is in line with the PSU policy decision which is being planned where the government is thinking about uh, creating a kind of a strategic uh, sector PSUs and non-strategic sector PSUs and privatize all the non-strategic and keeping the maximum number of PSUs under the strategic sector PSUs as four. Exactly, Shishir. I mean, let's understand it from the broader country's perspective, from the people's point of view. As we just discussed, first of all, I can't see any reason why the government should be running a steel plant. It is not the government's core expertise. There are enough expertise available in the market anywhere to be able to run a steel plant. I mean, the commissioning of it got delayed for a considerable number of years because of lots of these insurgency-related issues. And as a result of that, as you pointed out, the cost, which was supposed to be much of uh, the earlier cost, is now about 20,000 crore 
in which it's supposed to be built. Why should the government be sequestering so much amount of money? We have seen that the stock market, we've seen the bond market, we've seen the insurance pension funds, they're all interested in investing in such plans. These are the sort of in which Indian investors, somebody who wants to do a long-term investment, would be very happy to invest on his behalf, the pension fund companies, the insurance fund companies, would be happy to invest in these sort of projects. They are stable projects, they are long-lasting projects, that's exactly where there's money available. The government doesn't bring in anything which, because of which the government has to be really be involved in it. And that is why, as you pointed out, that there are so many sectors where the government has taken in principal decision this year to move out of those sectors which are what is known as a non-strategic sector. And in those sectors, it's fair. There should be whoever is able to invest in these plans, and I don't see any reason why these plans should not get good bidders. People would come in, they'll invest, they'll raise the value of the plant, the price to earnings ratio will rise, there will be that will in turn give a spin-off to the people who are investing and the broader umbrella of investors, of shareholders across India. So I think that's the way to go about it. The government has uh, set rupees 24,000 crore as the floor price for uh, this particular strategic sell-off. Shubha, how do you see the strategic sell-off for proposals as the government is working on many PSUs to sell its stake, whether we talk about Air India, whether we talk about uh, BPCL or whether we talk about some other companies? How do you see the entire strategic sell-off thing is going on? And this is critical at this moment when the government has kept the target of rupees 10 lakh, 10,000 crore out of which 90,000 crore is to be raised uh, by selling stake in LIC and IDBI Bank, and then 1,20,000 crore rupees from selling stake in various central PSUs. So how do you see the entire strategic sale is going on? There was a lot of expectation early on that this would be a very good year for sale as the strategic disinvestment, which basically means selling to owner rather than just offloading shares in the market. But because of the COVID impact, the sales have got sort of stymied. I mean, the amount that has been raised has not been very substantial. And definitely nowhere near the 2,10,000 crore that was being planned. And I'm quite sure it will fall short handsomely. DPCL, one, uh, I mean, the expression of interest in it for the last date was September 30th. That has been now been postponed to the middle of November because uh, bidders were not able to come over and have a look at the plant and so many things. LIC, of course, is not a strategic disinvestment, but just offloading of shares, but a big company that also would need a fair amount of due diligence before its shares are uploaded. So, definitely hiccups there. But while those hiccups, obviously, is something that is seen into this year's lost opportunities, the essential thrust of doing disinvestment through of privatizing this will basically means privatization of plants and companies is a wonderful idea. Let's see why is it necessary. Early this year, we saw so many distress because of the COVID pandemic. There was a pressure on our hospitals. There was a pressure on our police. There was a pressure on the social justice ministries to provide relief to the people. And what happens at every stage, we see that the number of people that the government can marshal to provide help becomes woefully short. And I'm making here a point that many of the economic ministries now, frankly, are turning out to be somewhat overstuffed. They are not very hugely massive organizations, but today the government needs to be investing in higher, in education, in health, in social justice. That's what 
is needed. So we need more personnel there. At one level, one could say there should be massive amount of expansion of government employees. But at the short run, what it needs is that many of the government officers, government's other level of staff, should be asked, should be allowed, or there should be freedom. They should be basically be moved into these sort of areas. And the government can and should do it. And that is very necessary. The government doesn't have any role in running of economic units. As we pointed out, Air India is hugely overstaffed. There are lots of other organizations which have got similar problems. These organizations and the concerned ministries should jolly be now be commanded to work on sectors where there is a need for the government to deliver. And there is definitely at the government level a real shortage of personnel to be able to do the work of helping out where help is needed. So this investment serves a twin purpose. It generates money, but of course, as we know this year, it will not generate as much money as was being expected. But it also frees the government from the role of handling the organization, which I've said earlier too, and I'm saying it again now in terms of the personnel. This is a very, very significant opportunity. Probably it gives the government or now the chance to rework its personnel across departments and put in where they are more needed. Now, coming to two other significant uh, decisions by the cabinet, one uh, decision was about approval of uh, that strengthening teaching, learning and result for states, which is, in other words, we call it a star project, and that is being done in association with the World Bank. Uh, the cabinet has approved 5,718 crore for this particular project. How do you see this kind of project, especially when we are talking about educational program in uh, six states, Himachal Pradesh, Rajasthan, Maharashtra, Madhya Pradesh, Kerala, and Odisha? What kind of benefit do you see by project? These are wonderful projects. I mean, uh, these are the way one understands that they are supposed to be two things. One is that they sort of create a stronger measurement system of what is being taught in the schools. And the next part is that it strengthens the pre-childhood education and foundation and learning. So what it does is it basically makes stronger classrooms, which means that the teachers are much better trained and the training isn't coming from abroad. The training is coming from India itself by pooling in experiences of states which have done well to create school-to-work transition strategy, which allows the entire educational system to be much more robust. States which are able to, which have actually shown very good performance, obviously must be doing something good because of which they are able to get better outcome from the same school education system in which other states have not been able to do. So when states share experiences and best practices, it gives them, creates much better ability for the teachers because the teachers then are not sort of, you know, getting a top-down sort of approach, but they are learning from the peer group. And that is very, very essential. And I think that is what this project would try to do. I know there are lots of initiatives which I'm sure educational experts would be able to look into it. But looking at uh, what has been planned, it's something that 
sector as we were, in fact, just now we were talking about the Zani government needs to be much more focused on education and on health. And if you say this should be focused, then these are the sort of stuff that we should be looking at, where the Zani government and the state government should be really drilling down into the outcomes and measuring students, uh, I mean, to what extent students are achieving proficiency in terms of everything. Just to inform our listeners that this particular project uh, intends to support Ministry of Education's effort to establish a national assessment center, what we know as the PARAC. And among the tasks of such a center would be to leverage the experiences of a state selected for the operation by collecting, curating, and sharing their experiences with other states through online portals such as uh, Shagun and Diksha, then social and other media engagement, technical workshops, state visit and conferences. What kind of changes do you expect in the education system? Because we are seeing, because of the pandemic, we are seeing a much more, I mean, many, many changes would not have expected six months back that this will happen in the education field. So because of the pandemic and because of these kind of projects, what is one or two critical things which you see will be major change in the entire education but if you look at the new education policy that has come out at this time and the widespread support it has got, it shows that there is enough and more now for us to create an educational platform which should be very, very useful for us going ahead. If you also look at other programs that have been tagged along with it, for instance, you know, programs like Ek Bharat, Shesh Bharat, which basically tries to bring state children of different states closer together towards understanding each other's states. These are fairly, I mean, I would say long-standing, fairly visionary programs. Important decision by Cabinet, that is the special package for Union Territory of Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh under the Din Dialam Tode Yojana which is National Rural Livelihood Mission. That amounting rupees 520 crore, and it is for the period of five years. So how do you see this as a development of newly created union territories of Jammu and Kashmir and Lata? Yeah, these are useful ones. I mean, you know, these, especially Jammu and Kashmir and Lata, problem, the challenge there, one suspect is not money as much as the absorption capacity of the state. So the Zindal and so the Yojana, the National Rural Livelihoods Mission, extending it uh, to Jammu and Kashmir, I suppose, I mean, what I'll be looking at and what most people should be looking at is that how much of the experience and how much of the capacity building is being created through this program to improve the livelihoods in the rural area. What is the capacity building that this program creates will be something which will be definitely be useful and one must say that these programs have developed a considerable amount of what I might call expertise working across states. I mean, very useful for the both the UTs as it is created. Thank you, Shobhan. Thank you. You were listening to a discussion on cabinet decisions. The participants were Subhumoy Bhattacharji, economic analyst and Shishir Sinha, journalist. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. You can listen to it on our mobile app, News on AIR. This program is also available on our website, newsonair.com.